Ancient Greece brought us a pathetic and incompetent hero in Psyche, while ancient Rome gave us the unflinching Antigone. But does antiquity have an empowering prototype for women who doesn't try to kill herself? Well, almost. I'm Rem Woodcraft, and this is Fiction Briefly. If you haven't seen the live-action film Mulan, beware. Spoilers ahead. As the female protagonist of this film, Hua Mulan wants to perform combat duties for the Empire, a service strictly reserved for men. But in the process of proving her worth, the story describes how she must go above and beyond the capabilities of a typical human to save the day. Not only must her feats be more impressive than all the rest, but she must then gain the support of the people she saved and risk execution before being considered an asset. Demanding this execution in the face of blind sexism, Mulan puts winning approval of those in power above her own life. But unlike Psyche and Antigone, she refuses to die by her own hand. The story of Hua Mulan is based on an ancient Chinese folk story written somewhere around the 5th century. Like Psyche and Antigone, she puts her life on the line for the privilege to be heard, believed, and appreciated. Prevalent in the movie is the theme of knowing one's place, the box defining one's personal restrictions in society. Mulan's father allows her personality to thrive as a child, knowing that it is illegal in their culture for her to become the warrior she is naturally inclined to be. When her gifts start to get the notice of the rest of their village, at her mother's insistence, her father admonishes her to know her place. But that's the thing about one's place in society. The box people want to put other people in ranges from the obedient worker and unquestioning soldier to the self-sacrificial parent. And when a person doesn't fit, when a so-called ideal is irrational or subjective, it takes a hero to persevere. I enjoy viewing heroic journeys through Vladimir Propp's formula from Morphology of the Folktale. It's more involved than Joseph Campbell's 12-stage formula and offers some areas for departure. Writers can skip a step or several as long as they stick to the order. In Milan, we'll start with stage two, the interdiction, where the hero is told to avoid a person or a place. Mulan is told to hide her remarkable chi, the life force enabling her supernatural fighting abilities. If she doesn't hide them, people will brand her a witch, endangering her life and bringing shame to her family. In his narration of her story, her father says, only a son can wield chi, while her mother later says, a daughter brings honor through marriage. This doesn't sound like a satisfying trade-off, so it's no wonder when Mulan ventures towards stage three violation, where the hero ignores the warning. However, this leaves room for the villain to act against the hero's family. Mulan tries to fit into the tiny space reserved for her in this society, but her lightning quick reflexes can't be hidden once she is at the village matchmakers. 
Though she has been powdered, painted, and draped in the attire of her village's ideal lady, her powerful chi becomes apparent in her attempt to save the tea service, strewn in the air as a spider startles them. After seeing Mulan's acrobatic display, the matchmaker expels the Hua women from her house, blaming Mulan's mother for not raising a good daughter. This violation of the interdiction is accidental, but Mulan also intentionally disobeys the order to stay in her place. Fearing her father's death in battle, Mulan steals his sword and armor and rides a horse to Imperial City to report as a conscripted soldier in his place. She disguises herself as a man named Hua Jun and joins the emperor's army. Skipping the difficulties Mulan experiences with her male peers, the story lines up with the formula again at Stage 4 Reconnaissance, where the villain makes an effort to attain knowledge needed to fulfill their plot. Mulan, along with the Imperial Army, battles with the nomadic Rorans led by the son of a rival emperor and aided by a witch. As dark magic exists in this story, the villain is a very real witch, not just a derogatory term for a female. This witch has the power to possess a human being or take the shape of a hawk or a flock of birds. She can also take on several combatants at once, killing her adversaries. In a one-on-one -on -one fight with the disguised Mulan, the sorceress attempts to find out her rival's true identity. In Stage 6, Trickery, the villain tries to trick the victim either to capture the victim or steal something valuable. The witch claims that Mulan's hidden identity is keeping her from her true power. She says, Deceit weakens you. It poisons your chi. The motive of the witch is unknown since she wants Mulan dead, though presumably she speaks the truth. But who takes advice from their enemy? In a way, she has tricked Mulan into remaining weak. In Stage 7, Complicity, the victim is either fooled or forced into cooperation. Not trusting the witch, Mulan refuses to give up her secrets. This leaves her vulnerable to Stage 8, Villainy or Lack, where the hero lacks something vital and the villain harms someone. Mulan lacks a place in society where her skills are utilized. For the villainy portion, the witch throws a Chinese throwing star that impacts Mulan in the chest, knocking her out. Thinking her adversary dead, the witch leaves. The movie skips ahead for 29, the transfiguration stage, where the hero gains a new appearance. This act of villainy is really a blessing because the thickly wrapped leather bindings concealing Mulan's womanhood save her. I can only conclude Mulan deems her failure with the witch was due to the constrictions caused by her disguise because despite the added protection the leather wrappings afford her, Mulan strips herself of her male identity, including her armor, letting her hair flow free. Brawless and untethered, exposed in every way to attack, but now somehow she has gained a hint of lipstick. At this point, the story resumes its traditional order at stage 10, beginning counteraction, where the hero hatches a plan. Seeing the battle from afar, Mulan schemes a way to save her endangered comrades. 
In stage 11, departure, the hero leaves the home environment, this time with a sense of purpose. Returning to the battle, Mulan redirects the aim of the Roran's flaming catapult, which triggers an intentional avalanche, scattering the enemy and allowing the Imperial troops to escape. Finding out Mulan's true identity, her commander gives her a dishonorable discharge once the danger has passed. Refusing to leave, Mulan says, I would rather be executed. Her commander answers, If you show your face again, your wish to be executed will be granted. She is also told she can never go home, and her disgrace is worse than death. This positions the hero and the villain as opposite sides of a coin, as the witch too has been exiled and shunned by everyone she has ever loved. This also opens a dialogue between the two and brings us to stage 12, first function of the donor. With the help of a magical agent or helper, the hero gets tested. Intercepting Mulan in her walk of shame, the witch makes several attempts at joining their powers together. We are the same, the witch says, and explains, the more power I showed, the more I was crushed. She also entices Mulan to think of a new role for herself in society. Join me, we will take our place together. Again, this sense of having a place in society arises as if a person is born with a destiny. Mulan says, I know my place, and it is my duty to fight for the kingdom and protect the emperor. She tries to rein in the antisocial witch, but to no avail. Slightly out of order is stage 14, the provision of a magical agent. In Mulan's case, the magical agent is valuable knowledge. The witch won't join the side of the emperor, but reveals the Roran's plan to kidnap him. In stage 13, hero's reaction, the hero's skills are tested or she frees a captive. She reacts to the actions of the donor. Mulan risks death to return this vital information to her commander. Her unwelcome arrival is defended by her peers, who gained respect for her on the battlefield. The commander caves and allows a special forces unit to defend the emperor against attack. This unit, led by Mulan, reaches the palace too late. The emperor has been kidnapped, and the witch sits on his throne. In stage 15, Guidance, the hero is led to an important object. After turning into a hawk, the witch leads Mulan to the location of the kidnapped emperor. Then, jumping out of order is stage 22, the rescue, where someone rescues the hero. The witch intercepts an arrow meant for Mulan, dying in the process. Her final words reflect the theme of the movie. Take your place, Mulan. The shooter of the arrow now becomes the villain. Bori Khan, son of the rival emperor slain by Mulan's ruler, wants revenge for the land stolen from his people. He has used and abused the witch for his own purposes. And now we come to stage 16, Struggle, where the hero and villain fight. This brings about stage 17, Branding, where the hero is scarred. Mulan loses her father's sword in a vat of molten metal. 
It's not an external scar, but it has to do with family honor. Mulan is devastated by this loss. But she prevails in stage 18 victory, where the villain is defeated. Bori Khan dies. Now we reach stage 19, liquidation of lack, where the initial lack has been removed. Mulan's place in society where her skills are utilized is fulfilled with an offer to defend the emperor on a permanent basis. But Mulan puts her personal reward second to pleasing her family. In stage 20, the return, the hero goes home. Mulan apologizes for the lost sword, but she might as well apologize for saving their skins. However, loyalty to family measures above all else in this movie, and it is not until she earns her father's approval that the movie comes to its ultimate conclusion. Stage 31, Wedding. In this stage, the hero marries and is rewarded or promoted by the family or community, typically ascending to a throne. Mulan's abilities are validated by those in power, and she gets to be a soldier a role in society that lets her chi shine. I call Mulan the short-sighted hero because with her power she could have achieved much more. After Mulan finds out she's about to be married off, she says, I will bring honor to us all. That's it. That's the plot of the story. Mulan wants to bring honor to her family. Roughly half her village has been coerced to hide their chi, regardless of how impressive their varied abilities, and in the end, only Mulan's personal needs have been met. Disguised as a man, Mulan enjoyed new freedoms. She could speak for herself and nurture her physical strength. There was heterosexual tension as Mulan disguised herself as Hua Jun and struggled to contain her unruly breasts. But personal freedom, it turns out, has little to do with the story. Even at the end, she is still a tool of the emperor and succumbs to family guilt. Modern societies haven't stopped making boxes for people to fit in. They still undervalue the benefits of women's physicality. But perhaps Mulan will inspire more women to buck beauty standards and nurture their physical abilities. Counter to the story, one doesn't have to be better than everyone else at something to be an asset. One's place in society doesn't need to be on a pedestal. Unfortunately, for some of us, the approval of our families and being good enough feels perpetually out of reach. To buck unrealistic expectations, we must first remove our own. Thanks to the talented Kestrel and Mexican Spy Company for providing the music and sound for this show. You can find Fiction Briefly on Facebook and comment. Don't forget to like and subscribe to whichever platform you listen on. This has been Fiction Briefly, bringing you inside the mind of an artist. Thank you for listening.